1: But we're just getting started here on the Yellowstone podcast here on most show recap. Talking about the fourth episode of the fifth season of Yellowstone airing on Paramount Network. Not frustratingly enough on Paramount. Hello everybody. I am Josh Wiggler. Unfortunately, no Charlie this week as Charlie is on his way towards becoming a daddy in his own right. So Charlie may be missing the next few episodes of the podcast. But don't you worry. We're in great hands here, as we are bringing, as Yellowstone is wont to do, an outsider into Yellowstone to see if they can't be the, the 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 talk of the town, the newest person to bring an airport plan into the Yellowstone podcast. If you're a post-show recaps fan, then you know this man from so many different podcasts, House of the Dragon, Lord of the Rings, currently covering Willow on Disney Plus. His dark materials as well, if it's a fantasy show, very often this man has something to say about it. And what is Yellowstone, if not something of a fantasy show? A fantasy show in its own right. So I am thrilled to bring him in. He is the great DM Philly, a.k.a. R. Philly, a.k.a. Rip Philly. I dig it. I can take it. Rip Philly.
0: I will wear this moniker proudly. Yellowstone, works. Uh, clearly a great fantasy amongst the fantasy Josh, it's a fantasy of, I'm sure, many Americans to live in the Yellowstone.
1: I have to imagine that before this whole thing is done, Rich, uh, I think at some point in time, by by the very end of Yellowstone, somebody is going to be holding a great sword and beheading someone for the king's justice. The governor's justice shall be executed by the end of all of Yellowstone. Ned Stark style. It's coming.
0: At the very least, an axe, if not the great sword, a great axe. You could see it. Um, I do have to say, Josh, I'm like excited about this podcast. But I did come here in official capacity oh. on behalf of Fish and Wildlife to ask you about oh. some radio collars that I found downstream of the recording studio. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about that, but well, maybe we'll, like you talk to Charlie when he gets back. Or
1: the the only wolves that we have damaged here on post show recaps are the ones from Kepler twenty two B. <laughs> uh, which unfortunately did not survive. It would appear uh, bad fungus indeed as uh, those wolves are, are not coming back to TV. Uh, Yeah, Little
0: known facts, but I actually was raised by wolves. Yes, you were. Yes,
1: you were rich. This is very fun for me to get you here talking about Yellowstone. Uh, You 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 let me know that you were like, yeah, I'm in on Yellowstone. I'm behind. I'm like, well, Charlie's going to be out of town. We're going to need somebody to come in and talk about Yellowstone while Charlie is gone for the next little while. And you volunteered, much like Katniss Everdeen, as tribute here on the Yellowstone podcast. And as we're going to get into talking about the fourth episode here of season five, I want to do some level setting. I want to get your takes on the board here because, as mentioned, you are traditionally uh, like the fantasy expert here in the Post Show Recaps universe. Last week, Charlie and I talked about how Yellowstone, it's no longer succession with Cowboys. It's <laughs> House of the Dragon with Cowboys, which, again, uh, shout out to Matthew who's been writing in Matthew's like, it's not that either, okay? Like, it's just not. Uh, and so we, we appreciate you keeping us honest out there. But what is Yellowstone to you, Rich?
0: I love that feedback. I heard you guys talking about it. The Ranch House of the Dragon, the Bunk House of the Dragon, I really like. Yeah. Um, look, uh, Yellowstone to me, I think the succession with Cowboys thing is pretty accurate, but I would add in, I think that it's some amalgamation of succession. The Sopranos and Dallas. It is like this (laughs) grand, incredibly over the top, like melodramatic soap opera, right? I mean, it's very much like rooted in that space, which I don't say to like malign the production at all. Like, I think a lot of like great TV is this like ridiculously over the top melodrama that I kind of love. But it really, the succession elements, very clear, like one to ones. You and Charlie have talked about it a lot. But these guys are basically like, you know, Tony and the gang in Newark. Right. I mean, we're killing people left and right. Bodies are vanishing wolves, ranch hands, uh, you know, investment bankers, everybody is at risk, Josh, you know? So the whole like ranch house of the dragon, I think is like poignant Uh, and a little known and important fact. Like I'm probably the number one Kevin Costner fan in the greater post show recaps family.
1: I think that that sounds, that sounds right. Uh, Speaking of wolves, you love when Kevin Costner dances with them.
0: I love when he dances with them. He was, in fact, the Prince of Thieves. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, my like love uh, origin story with Kevin Costner definitely draws back to that. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Josh, I've, uh, you know, it's my phantom menace to a degree. I've seen this film at least 200 times. It was serious? a point. I'm, I'm very literally serious. Oh my when gosh. I was 14, I could, like, verbatim run the whole film through, uh, just like uh, monologue it. You know, I played Mm -hmm. all the parts for my friends. I unironically adore the Postman. Uh, one of like my like (laughs) (laughs) like, favorite films, Waterworld. Like, I saw this, I saw Waterworld in theaters like at least three
1: times. I was
0: so excited when we got the Will Patton arrival in during season four. I thought we were gonna have a great like postman reunion with Costner and Patton. They never even got to like meet face to face. I felt really robbed of that opportunity. So when Yellowstone came out. Robin Hood does; he it robs is. you of opportunity. Uh, when Yellowstone dropped years ago, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to watch this show," and I then like put it on the back burner. I've been like slowly chipping through it. I binged through season four this weekend in preparation for the pod, and got myself all caught up. But yeah, Yellowstone is fun, man.
1: You, you know, were telling me that uh, around the Thanksgiving table this last week, uh, your family's like, oh, wait, you're going to be on a Yellowstone podcast?
0: Yes, it was really magnificent. My younger cousins were like, oh, House of the Dragon. And we talked about that for all of like 90 seconds, at which point uh, conversation shifted to Yellowstone. This was like the flagship show around mm-hmm. my like family Thanksgiving table. They were very excited to hear like, wait, wait. You're gonna actually be on a mm-hmm. Yellowstone podcast talking about Yellowstone. At which point, then my aunt recounted the entirety of episode three to me. Oh my like, god! Oh well, the, did I you mean, record it for the podcast? I really like should have. I wasn't yes. fast enough with my phone. I didn't bring my phone to the dinner table. You know, this is like uh, unacceptable in the traditional family household, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But I really like should have gotten the recounting of like, and then Beth hit this lady in the bar, and then yeah, the guy oh, with god. the white mustache. What's his name? Sam Elliott. I'm like, uh-huh. no, no. He's, no, on a he's on yeah. the other show. He's on the other show. Yeah. Lloyd. Was, they, they were very excited to talk to me about Yellowstone. Josh, a lot of like energized people
1: when it comes to the
0: Kevin Costner ranch show.
1: Okay, so we're talking about the Kevin Costner Ranch Show. It's the fourth episode of season five. How have you been enjoying season five so far? Four episodes deep. We're over the halfway hill part of part one. So like, I guess we're a quarter of the way through season five at this point, but we're halfway through this first batch of episodes. Are you picking up what they're putting down? The reign of Governor Dutton, everything that is spilling out from that, Rich. How's this been working out for you so far?
0: I'm really digging it i thought season four was strong right like starting off with this very catalyzing event of like the bomb the assassination attempts there was like a clear through line but i love uh reluctant governor john dutton like i'm so sold on it is the whole like are you pouting are you pouting about the fact that you won the election that you entered john uh it's like big time working for me the whole like political angle like i think i could say safely beth's the best character on the show
1: right yeah well she's definitely the most compelling i think uh you you're never going to be bored when Beth Dutton is on screen. Right. And
0: so chief, for better of staff, and for worse. chief of staff, Beth, like, um, you know, fully formed and like gloating in her power as she's like swaggering around the state of Montana is like awesome. I'm digging it. I miss Jimmy. Uh, I know like, uh, you know, big Jimmy fan and Charlie there. I, I am digging season five so far. Uh, I felt like uh, episode three might have been like a little bit of a lull, but I really like this last episode. I feel like you guys got me in for a good one.
1: Uh, so we have a lot to talk through in this episode. Of course, if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, you should make sure you do that. Poster Recaps Yellowstone, wherever you get your podcasts, or posterrecaps dot com slash Yellowstone Pod. If you want to search by URL in your podcatcher of choice, uh, subscribing is greatly appreciated around these parts. As we were talking about Yellowstone all season long so let's talk about this one in specific detail and there's a lot of different places we could start rich but i think maybe let's close the loop on last week's cliffhanger uh, because i feel like it's a major storyline this week is the beth dutton of it all she was arrested after getting into a bar fight last week uh, with this woman this tourist from out of town rich who walked up to beth dutton And said, I'm going home with your husband tonight. You can come over with us and watch or he can tell you about it tomorrow. And then she was surprised to eat a beer bottle uh, as a result of those words. Anyone who knows Beth Dutton would not have been surprised that this was the outcome. But Beth is in jail by the end of last week's episode. She's in jail at the start of this one. And it's going to require some maneuvering on the part of Jamie to get her out of here. Uh, How are we feeling about Beth's legal woes right now, Rich?
0: Uh, yeah I love the fact that like it seems as though like for the first time in this woman's life she's having to like face the repercussions of her actions right as she's like in the back of the cop car flipping out and like the little bit of a scene that we open up on with her in the jail cell like was really like kind of poignant and interesting Uh, I I totally thought
1: that that was Winnie from the Wonder Years in the jail Mm. for a second too as like a tangent but the whole like yeah was she being set up to be like somebody that we're going to see more of on the show I felt like yeah Yeah, but then we didn't get her in the rest of the episode.
0: Yeah I definitely had like that same Read of like oh yeah Beth's gonna like uh, Pick this person up like the same Way that she kind of like adopted that Kid last year right boy what's his name What's boy's name I don't remember
1: Oh uh, uh gosh uh geez Wow what how did you figure I know I tied you right is? there he was uh, There he was right there in my mind Give me one second and I will there was get a him uh, Carter
0: Carter right Got there was it. a Woo. point Where I remember this is gonna be name.
1: Yellowstone for me all Season long I have to just remember the names as we Go it's getting
0: this it's a big it's a big ensemble cast. There's a lot of, like, names to remember here, right? Um, So I kind of thought that Beth was going to, like, adopt this woman and this this person would get, like, carried along. But really, like, all of it driving to the conflict with Jamie is very interesting. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a lot. My interesting point here, and this may be, like, a, a real tangent, but it's the fact that, like, Rip can, like, so obviously see all of this coming right like Rip seems to have like the most insightful perspective on Beth and like he knows how this is going to go down right Yeah. as his chorus starts hitting on him and like wandering over like oh I'm going to go take it up with your wife and he's like oh don't no no that. no no don't do that don't do that but then does absolutely nothing to like prevent the ensuing chaos as right. it plays out and Beth like not even holding back a little bit just the way that like Beth can drive so many people right over the cliff with her right I mean, she's like a cult leader, basically the whole like lead up to this of like, let's go to the bar. No, we shouldn't do that. There's a terrible idea. It's a room full of people like, no, Beth. We absolutely should not do that. And, like, the Pied Piper, they just chase her right out of that bunkhouse Mm -hmm. of the dragon, running to the bar. And then Rip is, like, just stands there motionless while he watches this all, like, play out. Um, I love it, man. Beth is infinitely compelling and just, like, delightful to watch. But in this one instance, her, like, kind of facing her comeuppance felt... uh, uh, reasonable accurate plausible right it's it kind felt of the, real.
1: like this is what gets beth dutton in legal trouble after all of the other things that have happened it's like just a bar fight that gets her in in trouble but i i kind of enjoyed sort of uh some of the messaging behind that is like yeah you know like you publicly assault somebody you are going to jail at least for a night or two uh there's not really much you can you know buy your way out of with that
0: and the whole like new sheriff in town thing works too, right? I mean, we got that little bit of lead up with him talking to John of like, hey, so the laws are going to get enforced now, my yeah. friend, you know? And the fact that this guy is like, look, what am I supposed to do? She like broke a bottle over this woman's head and there's a full of people. Yeah. yeah.
1: Should gotten rid of the witnesses, uh, taken <laughs> yeah, to the train really. station, and maybe we would have had no problems here. But they were there, uh, and even Jamie. So Jamie is going to be the first person that Beth sees that she knows while she's been imprisoned. And Jamie, for the first time in a minute with Beth, feels like he has not necessarily that he has leverage over her because the leverage that Beth has over Jamie is just so supreme yes. that it is very hard to imagine uh, the the power dynamics shifting back uh for uh for for jamie at any point in time but he feels like there's like a smugness to jamie that's been absent their interactions for the last little while uh, he's like i'll see what i can do but like you did assault somebody and it's gonna be bad and it's gonna be a problem for dad too and she's like he's not your dad that's not your dad your dad doesn't get to have problems anymore right jamie God damn it, Beth! I hate you so much. She's
0: excruciatingly horrible. It felt a little bit like, yeah, Jamie. Uh, the leverage he found was like in his backbone, which he rediscovered inside of his body. Right, like five uh, minutes the amount of like abuse that Jamie takes from Beth is like, Oh my gosh. And, and the context of all of it, like going back to the whole sterilization, like uh, it just plays to me like one of these things of like, it's tough. It's a tough one to swallow that like Beth reengages with this animosity after so long. And he does like nothing to like uh, close the emotional gap here. I mean, we get the little bit of like, Hey, I feel worse about this thing than anything else I've done in my life. But Beth is like just unrelenting and has broken
1: this man yeah she's like of all like the shitty things you've done that's quite a statement jamie uh you know she's pretty relentless with jamie in this episode as she always is um but it did feel like it took a few different turns in in this one so jamie is able to to get her out of uh prison forget the charge that she ultimately lands with disorderly
0: conduct seriously jamie disorderly conduct Mm -hmm. uh for all of like the crap that this poor guy gets uh he's a very deft lawyer right i I mean, his legal jujitsu is strong.
1: Yeah, he knows the system. He knows what to do. This is why he wanted to be the governor, right? Like this is why he's the career politician. Uh, but he had he can't get no respect. Uh, there's none of that for for poor Jamie Dutton, if you want to call him poor Jamie Dutton. And indeed, he's just constantly getting punked on. So you do wonder, uh, you know, some uh, to some degree the deafness of his political skills. But there's no question he knows the law. Uh, and so yeah, he co- he comes in and he says to the person who's going to press charges, like. You it was assault. You know, there's no self-defense in a bar fight, which I didn't know was a thing. Is that a thing? You can't have self-defense know. in a bar fight. It's so specific. The bar fight that self-defense is out the window in a bar fight. I'm not a big bar fighter. I do most of my fighting in
0: arcades, uh-huh. uh, outside movie theaters and back yeah. alleys of small towns. You know? Yeah, uh, I don't really bar fight much. Not a big mm-hmm. drinker.
1: Yeah, I don't know where I get into most of my fights on a podcast, really. Yeah, probably yeah, a podcast yeah. fighter. There is no self-defense claim on a podcast. You walk into this arena willingly. uh, you expecting a bruising of some kind. Step into my dojo. Yeah, mm-hmm, yep. that's right. Uh, So Jamie is going to get uh Beth out of there. And then Beth is like, aren't you going to give me a ride back into town? What, you're going to make me hitchhike? <laughs> and so Jamie, like very reluctantly, is like, OK, fine, get in the car. And stupid Jamie, who has been uh, like fiercely protecting this secret that he has a child, because if other people found out, that could endanger the child. And certainly he doesn't want Beth to know, because Beth knowing anything about Jamie's personal life is bad for Jamie. But what's the is it just because he's a sleepy dad at this point, Rich, that he completely forgot that he had a child's car seat in the back of his car? I think knowing that he has a car seat in the back of his car, maybe he should have been a little bit more keen to the fact that Beth shouldn't get in my vehicle
0: yeah grievous oversight uh very ridiculous i love that like jamie's kid is like not really present like it's not exactly clear if like uh you know the campaign manager and his baby vanished at the end of uh-huh. last season before he executes his dad uh or not like i don't really have a great read on this but i guess he's you still watched
1: like- it recently <laughs> i
0: know i guess he's still like carpooling that he's got this car seat in the back. it seems like a very very simple oversight right and he's still so shocked when she like kind of confronts him, like, "Are you looking in the rearview mirror at all, Jamie? Like, have you at all looked out of the back of this vehicle while you've been driving? Or it seems like they've been driving for a while before like they've realized any of this, you know?"
1: It seems like they've gotten on the road, yeah. and, And she's like, "What? You got a child or something, Jamie?" And he's like, "Ah." Oh. And she goes, "You have a child, Jamie?" It's like, "Yeah. Don't tell anyone, please keep my secret." And she says, "Boy or girl? It's a boy. God gave you a son." she says. uh, And I did get a message from Charlie. He said that that was the most unintentionally funny line of the episode for him. Yeah, me too. God Uh, gave you a son. Uh, He thought that that was, uh, God gave you a boy. Uh, He had a a good time with that, uh, I think because of the ridiculousness of the situation. Because it's an absurd (laughs) situation as Beth has to get out of the car. She storms off. It reignites all of the trauma that has gone on between the two of them and the horrible things that Jamie has done. And Beth just like seizing the, the feet, like the pure venom uh that is extracted from all of the history between the two of them she's saying get you better go kiss your son goodnight, jamie because i'm gonna take him from you you're not gonna have him go say goodbye to him now jamie and jamie's like i think i have to run you over with my vehicle I'm pretty sure at this moment in time, I have to take this as an opportunity to just drive you down and kill you. He tries to, but she steps out of the way in the right exact moment. But gosh, this got really serious. I feel like there's no way for the Beth and Jamie story to end other than this being one of them dying. And it it can't be Beth. She's kind of the show. This God. How is Jamie still alive is my ongoing question. This got very intense. She went full Cersei. I mean, you guys
0: joke like the the <laughs> Ranch house of the dragon, but like she went full here, Cersei Lannister here, right? You know, is,
1: is Jaime shitty Tyrion?
0: Yes, uh-huh. yes, a hundred percent, right? Uh, and it's Which the, is ironic because he's the Jamie. version. Yeah, it really is ironic because wrong he's Lannister. Jaime. That is Tyrion. That's like uh, shitty Tyrion. Uh, the whole thing is just intense like the way that she pops off Uh, I, I don't know Beth is so like infinitely compelling right and the whole like portrayal that you get from Kelly Riley is like powerful I mean you feel it as she's flipping out the like, God gave you a son was ridiculously funny this was a thing my grandmother very much of the old world Josh she was an Italian immigrant during World War II and uh, as my friends started getting married and having children they would often come up and be like oh you know yeah I'm so excited my wife is pregnant we're having a baby and she'd be like oh do you know is it a boy or is it a girl and they would say oh it's going to be a girl and she would go that's a shame that's a oh, oh my god
1: <laughs> but this
0: notion of like the son the prince that was promised this is such like an idea that was resonant with me so it like worked that like, that Beth like clicks on that but it is like really hilarious the way she responds to him um and jamie just like a terrible improviser this man is like good when he can plan but the fact that he's like not like oh yeah that's not my car seat uh anything there's a million excuses that you could have why this car seats back there he doesn't even try just like flounders and it escalates so far she's just like i will take this child from you i mean we are not like these aren't veiled threats this is as overt as it gets and i don't know are you reading it it's like jamie was definitely trying to hit her with the car
1: she just steps out of the way, it seems like yep. he like he he's like he's almost scraping the side of the tunnel. It's it pretty close. Like.
0: It's pretty it's, close.
1: It's really close. And she just happens to, like, move back. I felt like I don't I know. Guessed. I wouldn't put it past Jamie because every time he is either uh, both times that he's killed someone, certainly the first time he killed that reporter. It was really improvised and not thought through at all. Yes. True. Uh, and then he killed his dad, and he could have thought that through a little bit further before he went ahead and killed his dad, I feel like. Yes. Uh, and then this was really reminiscent of when he killed the reporter all the way back in the day. It seemed like he was about to make a horrifically bad choice that would have changed his life forever, but he's not strained, a stranger to making that kind of a decision. Um, yes. So I, yeah, I, I, for whatever it's worth, I read it as like, Jamie, you know, against his like if if he had been more in control of his faculties and if he could have used his like sharp minded legal brain that he often is able to use in some of these types of situations when he feels like a modicum of control. Then he probably wouldn't have done this but I think In these kinds of situations when Like sort of like the kill bill rage music Is blaring in his head (laughs) he just Goes into kill mode and then like has like Horrible existential dread about it Afterwards I think he's gonna do it I really do we saw
0: like the emotional Eruption last season two where he like punches the Window out right and everything comes to a head As like his dad has found out about The whole situation with Beth when she was a kid Right Um, and so I like As he slams on the gas I'm like oh he's Gonna run her down but the fact that she so easily like kind of sidesteps it that he doesn't really swerve he doesn't turn the car and i guess i kind of like like downshifted it at the end that he's just really like menacing her threatening her back with like the only kind of feeble thing he has which is to drive past her really quickly yeah. uh, but i i feel that the whole murdering of his dad in the very scenic view out the front door of his house yes. felt like a real choice too i mean this one he put some effort into it i was like really jamie Really? You're going to, like, do this deed on, the, on your front lawn where you will look out the window every day and remember this very poignant conversation you had with your dad who, despite trying to murder your adopted family, you had a really deep, had a uh, uh, poignant on. relationship with. And so you're just going to kill him, like, right here at the beautiful street. You're going to need to sell that door. house. Haunted yeah. house now. I think he did, at least. So a story checks out. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Jamie's bad decisions are on record.
1: True. Yes, uh, yeah. in a major way. Yeah. Uh, so... He, I think, was going to kill Beth is how i how I viewed it. It didn't happen. He may uh live to regret that choice would be my guess.
0: Is this a Highlander situation, Josh? Is this there could be only one by the end of the season?
1: By the end of the series, there can only be one, I think. I do not think both Beth and Jamie can live uh, uh, while the other one is alive. uh, Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I would guess that that means that's bad for Jamie. But it depends on when they choose to close this loop. If Mm -hmm. we're talking about like series finale territory, there's a world where, you know, Jamie sort of like scumbags his way ahead. Uh, Mm -hmm. And like that's the ending you're left with with Jamie and there's some sort of like tragedy in Beth as long as we're leaving the show altogether. If the day comes that like Jamie is the shocking death of a season finale or something like that it will happen to Jamie before it happens to Beth every day of the week. Beth Million is like percent. Beth is end game for sure. Jamie might not be end game in my opinion, but if Beth and Jamie are both there in the end, that's Jamie's best shot at living through the series would be my guess.
0: Uh, as much as like, I'm talking about the Sopranos and like, cause I think they really, uh, there is a lot of connective tissue here, right? Of
1: like Matthew, uh, let us know if, uh, if Yellowstone is the Sopranos with Cowboys, please write it, in. We'd love yeah, to get, we'd love to get your, your take on that, please. I
0: definitely yeah. want to know. Matthew I hope that this isn't too egregious for me to put forth the Sopranos of Montana Um, (laughs) but the whole notion of like you know Tony and Janice have this really toxic relationship but when push comes to shove uh, Tony is like the good Italian son air quotes is like always going to like default to his sister's side like when there are external factors and this to me is definitive wasn't always
1: the case with his mother no very true yeah yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: but the Jamie uh, Beth relationship has always like like really kind of spoken to me of like Tony and Janice and this is the episode that we're definitively like beyond the pale of like no 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 we have like shifted gears there is no going back from this I don't think right and it felt really relevant to me in the context of like John Dutton having recently said in one of these recent episodes that I binge like he's my greatest failure uh, but I do love him I wish that I didn't but I do love it's him
1: it's huge butt <laughs> you know? it's like an enormous butt I would it, say it is, it uh, is. it's a, a he he did, John Dutton, like is like he's he's not much nicer to to Jamie in in the long haul. Um, it's very in many ways. This I, I listen, a deeply insensitive show in a lot of terms. It's oh yeah.
0: It's like so many facets. on so many facets. I don't mean to like um, you know, like whitewash the history here, the reality of like this woman who was sterilized as a child when she had kind of no recourse, but Jamie is horrible,
1: she, no doubt.
0: Sure. You know? but she goes to like her teenage brother and it's like I need help you know and and uh, God that's a really overwhelming situation to be in you know how much can you indict somebody for like a terrible choice they made as a teenager there's a big thing I talk about all the time on these podcasts Josh that like a person has to be able to be more than the, their worst moment ever and th- these this family has a lot of worst they'll moments they'll never be that you know, for,
1: for Beth at the very least no nope, uh, I get it he's the worst moment for her forever and like that's fair but gosh it gets so ugly all the time and it was i guess it was wild for me that within this episode at least uh it like accelerated literally in the in the form of the car but like it accelerated to a point that i felt like we had like run out of uh like new depths of depravity for these two uh you know but we we really we really went there uh and i think uh i think jamie's going to live to regret not uh you know just going a little further to the right uh, would would be my guess Uh,
0: I'm very much of the same page Uh, Wes Bentley as Jamie I think is like quietly a real gem on this show I love Jamie as a character I love the like son that does not conform to like this old hard way of life you know he's trying to like forge a new path I think he's you know really interesting to have around and this is all a fascinating uh, plot for us to track through season five
1: So continuing with Jamie's story here in uh, this episode, he's going to go out on a date with Sarah Atwood, uh, like the the market equities mercenary, the assassin, who is out here ostensibly to rope Jamie into whatever it is she wants to do to kind of make things better for market equity. She's clearly using him and manipulating him and everything. Uh, I wanted to get your take, by the way, Rich. Uh, Sarah Atwood played by Don Olivieri is the name of the actor who plays Sarah. Very familiar name uh, around these parts. Olivieri. Uh, we do
0: love yeah. Oliveri. Mm-hmm. uh Oliveri, a beloved and treasured name in the lexicon of PSR. That's a deep cut. Uh, I thought that she was great. She gives me huge uh, Amanda vibes from Cobra Kai. I thought it was the same actress for Ooh, a second. Yeah. Uh, there's like a lot of like a physical resemblance there. She's great. I love this like counterpoint to Beth. You know, having this like uh, powerful, savvy, sophisticated woman kind of role in and underestimate the Montana sophistication, the ability right. of the Duttons to like maneuver around her, but. Just Jamie is like such an absolute sucker, dude. Like how overtly obvious is this guy as you're being invited by like the corporate assassin to the power dinner here where she's trying to ply you with Rose who you've never had. It really, Jamie? how old? He'd you never remember? had Rose before. Yeah,
1: I don't believe it. That was I don't believe that either. Uh, viable Jamie's a Rose guy. He's just trying not to show it yeah he, he wants to like act tough right this yeah. is his cowboy bravado of like rosé i don't just know what own that it, is. man it's delicious you know uh, him
0: like <laughs> so quietly being like suckered in by this ploy felt like god man you are really an idiot all the good things i just said about him like forget all of those because he is basically a moron
1: right he has uh, a this... thousand different kryptonites i feel like yes. Dutton. you know he there's sure just does. so many yeah. ways in so many ways in uh my question is okay so he and sarah sneak off to do it in the bathroom uh, and there's a shower at this restaurant, by the way. This, this is a, is lodge, a real right? place. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. that, I
0: mean, in her words, like this is a hell of a bathroom, you know?
1: Yeah, so they're doing it in the shower, the public shower here at the lodge and Beth follows them uh, into the bathroom, and uh, she is going to take Sarah's ID and snap a pic and walk out. So she has at least uh, a little bit of uh, you know information on who is Jamie currently doing it with, whether or not she knows that Sarah is a market equities uh, agent. She's probably going to find out very quickly the second she starts doing some research into this. My question for you, Rich is Beth ahead of the game as it comes to Sarah Atwood, or is Sarah in true dramatic, soap operatic Yellowstone fashion? Is this going exactly the way she wanted it to? Did she want to lure Beth into the bathroom? Did she want Beth to take a look at her ID? Did she want to ping on Beth's radar? Is this all part of Sarah's plan? I gotta think that
0: Sarah's got the upper hand here only because it seems to me like four episodes in like thematically we are tracking Beth spiraling out of control a little bit right Uh, like it seems like Beth cannot like sustain the level of success that she has had kind of across the last couple of seasons like Beth is like knocking down the W's man for the the big Y Yellowstone ranch like there are a few moments where Beth like has a big plan against her adversaries that that is turned on itself and i think is this like direct kind of counterpoint to her that we're getting here it, it, that th- that it has to kind of Play the other way. I I mean, I do imagine that Beth has like a sense that this woman is from uh market equity, as it were, or like why else is she there? Is she literally just spending her free time stalking her brother Mm -hmm. because like any opportunity might present itself? It seems like she was posted up in the restaurant very intentionally because she knows they're about to have this like power meeting to talk about the plans of the future, right? And so if we can assume that like Beth is smart enough to read that, I think we have to assume that 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 that, like there's a plant here, there's some thing going on. The whole like fake ID of it all. I don't uh-huh. know what to think. <laughs> but I, I really do think that like Beth has to face an equal in this person that uh is going to like push back and knock her on her heels a little bit.
1: I really like her as a character so far. I think she, mm-hmm. I think she's fun. She's a, she's a great element to introduce into the Jamie storyline, and therefore uh, as an adversary against Beth. And I think, like, what can exist on this show to either give Jamie an edge against Beth, or is there going to be any kind of unifying force, even if only temporarily, for Jamie and Beth? It could be Sarah. Uh, so there's a, a few different directions that this character's introduction into the show. Uh, could could take us in, so I'm I'm here for it, and I hope I hope it lasts. For at least a little while. Can
0: I ask the dumb question? Is there any potential here of a real, meaningful relationship between these two? Is like part of what's going to happen in like the soap opera plot that like Sarah, her cold, icy heart is penetrated by the incompetence and, and flailing ineptitude of Jamie Dutton, <laughs> and ultimately she recognizes here that she has not an equal at a partner, but a very manipulatable, if not like a professionally successful individual who. she could pair up with for her new life forward in montana
1: yeah, I think the only way that works is if it's like, oh, well, here's somebody who I could just boss around for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, okay, okay,
1: okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know that there's any world where she's like, oh, what a sweet little guy. He's just so lost, a little lamb lost in the woods. I got to bring him back to the field. Like, that, do- that doesn't feel like nope. that's where this is going. I-,
0: I very much have, like, the vision of, like, um, you know, two great cats knocking back and forth a ball of yarn that they are yeah. battling over in Jamie Dutton. And I'm just, like, curious. Jamie's the ball of yarn? Yeah. Yeah, very yeah, much so. Sure. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. He may uh, receive knitting needles at some point uh, before the <laughs> end of this thing. I feel I mean, like they, they not... make good murder
0: weapons in prison, apparently conjugal but, visits. Yeah.
1: Well, how about this? We, I think because there's a little bit tiny bit more uh, of Beth, but it really intersects with a different character who is in prison uh, in, in much of this uh, episode and has been indeed for the better part of a year at this point as we are bringing Piper Perabo back into the mix here in Yellowstone. Summer Higgins, former love interest of Governor John Dutton, has returned. Because we get a moment earlier in the episode where John goes out to lunch with the former governor, now senator, who is like, yeah, you can parted people. You don't have to wait until the end of your term, uh, Linnell says. But he's like, if you do that now... Uh, it's going to be a problem, uh, especially if you pardon your daughter uh, for having clubbed somebody in the face with a beer bottle at a bar with several public witnesses. Uh, and so at first I was thinking like, OK, well, he's just going to go ahead and do that anyway, because it's like, wait, there's a fast way to get out of being governor. Sounds great. Uh, no one wants to be governor less than John Dutton. Um, instead, what it ends up being uh, is he's going to use his governor pardonship power thing, ma job's. To get Summer out of jail because she, as an environmentalist, can help him understand the mindset of the activist, Rich. Because there's the wolf problem. Big wolf problems are happening. He's going to catch wind of all sorts of... PETA's going to become knocking down the Yellowstone Ranch any minute now because of what's happened to the wolves. And he needs an ally. And so the ally is going to be Summer, who he is going to liberate from jail so that he can understand how do I how do I get uh, in the heads of these people? What do I need to do? What's the key? Um, I don't know. I'm a little sleepy with this storyline, but here she is. She's back.
0: Amidst the most preposterous plot lines that we have seen in like four and a half, uh, five seasons of this show, yeah. Josh, the fact that Josh, Josh like randomly gets a wild hair up his ass and decides that he's going to go like get invested in Summer Atwood after she's like throwing rocks at his kid, Like, yeah, they, they murder people for less than this, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> and Like the whole like he goes and engages with her in the first place felt felt so ridiculous to me and like, really? Really? really this is what we're gonna do but i do love uh one of like the things that i love about the character of john dutton is like the quiet respect that he shows to like a lot of people you know i love like governor john i don't know how much we're gonna talk about that but so this beat that he's gonna get some around felt very like obvious right the whole like him showing up at the trial and like telling her like don't trust the judge you really should like take this to a jury and she accepts the plea and ends up like screwed for it all um clearly like she was coming back this was somebody he was invested. And as soon as they start talking about pardons, I'm like, oh, here we go. Yep, I saw her in the previously on for the Mm -hmm. episode, right? So I too, I'm like sleepy. I feel like um, uh, you know, all the Protestations that she puts forth of like, wait a minute, dude. I'm gonna go like live in your house with you with your toxic, destructive daughter who's gonna torment me. And like, isn't this probably like really bad press for you? Coupled with the fact that like you just pardon me and you're dealing with all this stuff, and like also, by the way, I'm not gonna sleep with you, old cowboy dude. Sorry. Right. And he's like, uh Like, how how does she say yes to this deal? (laughs) You know?
1: It's better than being in jail, I guess. Yeah, you know. uh, So better than being in prison, I suppose. But you would think that maybe she'd have some measure of Consent and choice, and she I can't
0: get... like negotiate for like a stipend for a bed and breakfast, man. I mean, like, how many buildings are on this ranch? But she can't, you can't even do be be like, you know what? without
1: a building somewhere. Like, keep me in jail. Uh, I'd rather stay here. Uh, I'd rather stay here than go to the Yellowstone, I think.
0: And John ja Dutton doing the classic TV thing of like, there's a very simple way for me to explain this to you that would make perfect sense in probably two sentences, but rather I'm just going to make vague and cryptic allusions that yeah. like complicate the entirety
1: of the ask that i'm putting out yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that's the way to go. That's definitely the way that Governor Dutton goes.
0: It is Uh, funny watching Beth and Summer play with each other. though. Like two of them in the kitchen and like the whole reaction. Summer holds her own against this woman. And like Beth uh, seemingly like losing some ground in this back and forth. I loved.
1: She got a good hate into Summer last season. And she's a big part of why Summer ends up being in jail in the first place. So there is some bitter irony in this episode where uh, where Beth herself just like narrowly evaded being, uh, you know, in jail for an extended period. Period of time and here is summer now uh and so there's just like a little bit of a link there but summer tells john um i have not had sex in more time than i ever have since i started having sex and i'm still not gonna do it with you john dutton and here she is in the middle of the night and it looks like uh did she end up sleeping with governor dutton i think that that is at least what beth thinks does does piper parabo just want her to think that is she just like hitting a button that's kind of how i feel is that she's like uh letting beth think that she and her dad are back together because that's good to toy with beth that's how i read it anyway
0: hundred percent i mean that's my read right because it seems like she's going back into this room on the ground floor we had even the beat where she first stayed there overnight and he's like hey her clothes were soaked in pepper spray she needed something to sleep in i uh-huh. gave her one of my shirts you uh-huh. know uh, amidst like the, the the ridiculously lavish accommodations you have in this house Sean Dunton. no extra pajamas mm-hmm. you don't have an extra pair of pajamas anywhere yeah. bro no gotta just put her in a business shirt got it okay cool uh, um I don't think that there was actually any intimacy. I think that that's something that's like too juicy for them to have happen off screen. Yeah, I think summer like, you know, has best number, man. She's just like playing her like a fiddle right here, plucking the strings of like, Oh gosh, it is so easy to agitate you that I just cannot resist.
1: Right. Yeah. It was pretty funny for me uh, that the episode ended with Beth just being like, god damn it this has been just a horrible day I'm not starting this day Uh, and so she just it's the sun is coming up she's like I'm not doing this day and she's just getting drunk son uh, yeah quietly josh
0: these people are raging
1: alcoholics, raging john dutton alcoholics. Is like
0: never not
1: drinking right mm-hmm. is that
0: like a fair assessment
1: it seems like, like the- he's always like quietly drunk yeah
0: yeah yeah i think that like pretty much we should understand that like everything john dutton does he's some degree of intoxicated he would fail a breathalyzer which is a good yeah. thing that they don't make you blow while you're riding horses yeah
1: yes very much so uh but that's how that episode is gonna end so she's back in the mix um but let's talk more Governor Dutton, this is the we had we didn't have a lot of Kevin Costner last week. Uh, how sad you would have been to show up on the pod this week, Rich, without a lot of Kevin Costner to talk about. How are you feeling about John Dutton, the governor? of montana
0: okay so i love this because we have this like trope that we see over and over again in storytelling and tropes are tropes because like oftentimes they're used to great strength and narrative right that absolute power corrupts absolutely but we've already like seen that right Uh, there's power in possession and ownership the sheer like volume of land that this man owns gives him an incredible amount of power to just act uh you know without recourse right to do whatever they want to do out in the middle of this ranch they're murdered people that are killing wolves they're doing all kinds of stuff the wealth has afforded him a great deal of like power uh he seems like pretty thoroughly corrupted already so the fact that like he comes into this office of governor it would have been so easy to run the plot line of like john dutton mustache twirling bad guy now just stomping all over the everyman, like swinging left and right but so much of what he's saying like the fact that he's indignant that like wait a minute wait a minute They're having my policy meeting and nobody's talked to me about policy. Uh It's fantastic. You think you could just
1: knock on my door and say, Howdy?
0: Yeah. How you doing? I mean, like it clocks, you know. Yeah. Uh, you you know, like I live in upstate New York now. A rancher, I typically we're not
1: supposed to talk about it, but yeah, we're not. I just am like, don't
0: but I, I'm not a rancher. I'm not a farmer. I've worked in agriculture, um, in in like plant agriculture. I've never like worked with livestock professionally, right? But there is this real thing here, guys, that there's like a disconnect between. A government's understanding of like the practical Needs day to day working in these Kind of industries and like policy Right when he calls this guy out I'm like okay so you want to approve these solar panels But also we're going to do This like sage grouse yeah. restoration And like do you not get how these things affect Each other and his policy guy here Just being like but statistics Studies studies show that There's no impact that he's like they Literally are going to cut the entire Habitat for the animal mm-hmm. down. Do you honestly not like see that connection the fact that I like what scares me about you is that you believe this it just like resonates with me man there is a certain like look folksy wisdom to like the John Dutton and like the whole rancher lifestyle that I get because I've spent enough of my life like professionally personally around people that like work in these fields to understand the disconnect so I love that in fact this super corrupt kind of morally bankrupt man does actually like Offer some useful wisdom, some kind of, like, real simple kind of, like, street smarts to this, like, panel of experts of, like, yeah, I'm going to fire all of you right now because you're all just, like, incompetent. I, I love it, Josh. I'm here for, like, this juxtaposition. of
1: God Is he, he going to be the governor at the end of the season? Is he still going to be in power by the end of this thing, or is he going to, whether willingly or unwillingly, has he been removed from office? Do you think
0: he's running out of children for the nepotism? I mean, like, mm-hmm. what are we going to do? You know, I don't see him handing it off to just anybody, and I don't know that he has a lot of allies. But I, I'm like, got this theory. I've been watching 1899, Josh, so I'm like theorizing wildly. But not to be
1: confused day. with 1883. Not to be, yeah. yeah.
0: I had to bring it up just to make make it more confusing. Uh, But like his alliance with rainwater and like the kind of political decline that rainwater is having Gil Birmingham, like another one of these guys I adore. I'm so high on him after uh, under the banner of heaven earlier this year. Right. Um, Is there a world where like he somehow finds a way to like put rainwater in the governor's seat while he leaves? I don't know. Ah. it, It seems like crazy to me, but like of the list of people that John has as allies loosely like, who would he be comfortable with in this seat if he's going to abdicate? And, like, how does he maneuver that? Because I don't see John. Think,
1: yeah, he would be, he would have to be, I think, be pushed out. Because uh, I don't know what he, I don't, I, like, he can't, like, really, like, yeah, I don't know that he can, like, really prep this the way that he's been able to sort of, like, juice some of these positions over the years.
0: I don't know. They seem pretty effective at doing <laughs> just about <laughs> anything they want in the state it's of true. Montana, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, what do
1: I know though? Uh, so in this episode, also we get a we get a moment with with John at the funeral for uh for baby John uh for Casey and Monica's child, and we get to see that ceremony. And John and Monica have the moment where he's trying to. He talks about he had a brother Peter that is not mentioned very often, who who died pretty quickly after he was born, uh, and that uh, his mother decided not to have kids anymore after that and John tells Monica that your son had the perfect life because he knew nothing other than your love and Monica seems to uh, really appreciate that so it's like a you know it's a sweet moment between John and Monica and if Charlie was here big like, so they guess they do get along you know cuz the show is always a little bit confused as to as to John and Monica's relationship it seems like at least from from our perspective over here um, i don't know do you have anything in terms of thoughts on the the storyline that's happening with Casey and Monica there's just the specter of this vision that we still don't know the full scope of mm-hmm. It's enough for Casey to not want to be in charge of the team anymore. But John's like, keep the badge. You need a salary. I'll have somebody else do the work. Uh, and you could just collect a check. I feel like I would love to get your take on this, but the Casey storyline is starting to get a little more frustrating for me because there's yes. information that we don't know. And he does. And we're being kept at arm's length from it for some inevitable future reveal That would be really helpful to have quickly, uh, because until we know what Casey knows, it's going to be really hard to access his story this year. Casey, there's like very little to talk about, I feel like.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, so a couple of things like I, I was listening to you guys talk about the Yellowstone doesn't have a Monica problem, right? right? It has a Taylor Sheridan
1: problem. You had a very funny Taylor week. Sheridan take coming into the I, podcast. I really did. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like
0: well aware of the name Taylor Sheridan as the creator of Yellowstone in 1883 and all this stuff, right? And in my like back binging here, getting caught up, I'm like, I, I'm very like, uh, the season four whole arc of like Jimmy getting sent off to Texas to become a cowboy, you know, yeah. and then we get the like. Badass cowboy who shows up about Once a season and rides horses really Impressively and has like the yoked Up biceps and I'm like this is the Coolest guy on the show
1: yeah, like, Travis is Wheatley is yeah, the Travis, character Travis yeah,
0: yeah he's mm-hmm. like abusing Poor Jimmy on the ride down he makes Jimmy take the brace off to sit on his alligator Seats and I'm just like I was asking Myself Josh who is this Guy who is the actor because this Is such a gig that you get to show Up on Yellowstone once a year and Just like steal the show and be the coolest badass on a ranch of badasses and then I just like oh Oh, this is Taylor Sheridan. Yeah, it's Taylor Sheridan. <laughs> <course>. Yeah,
1: He <laughs> cast himself the as the coolest intern. character in the Yellowstone universe. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, like, yeah. so checks out. In retrospect, I was, like, really, like, cracking up when it, I had this, like, connection, Josh. It I do me think bad. Taylor Sheridan playing Travis, the coolest character in all of Yellowstone, the most self-confident character. I mean, am I overstating it? But no. he's just, like, such, such swagger, right? He's, like, you know, he's, like, I mean, Rip Wheeler is really the Wolverine of Yellowstone, right? but i feel like uh travis is like the the west coast avengers wolverine whoever that would be you know like he shows up every now and then he's just like he would wharf effect wolverine right like he would be able to beat rip and whatever uh and i think taylor sheridan casting himself in that role Absolutely tells you everything you need to know about sort of the ethos of Yellowstone. I feel like it's, it's, it's a real out. shorthand yeah. for like understanding what this show is.
0: It million percent <laughs> checks out, right? Um, so to the whole notion yeah. of like the Monica problem, like I do think look, like Monica is like a plot device, right? She's not been given like a lot of respect. She gets that Skyler White position of like the nagging wife to the cool husband, and like, oh, if she just would be out of the way, the blah-blah-blah-blah-blah, and is constantly this source of trauma for for uh to be like pulling casey away from the family right um i was like kind of shocked at the whole like car accident they really went for it that she not only gets thrown from the vehicle and pregnant and this and that right after the murder attempt right after right i mean like it's unrelenting for this woman right um so I loved the like kind of little bit of the connection there with john at the end and this bit of like respect and him talking to her of like god i understand your pain and even the whole like we need to bury the child at the ranch because she knows like that the ranch has got a bit of security that like we're going to be able to go see him there our lives may like take us in different places but there is like the you know, the permanence of a a cemetery there for all the family that like Casey has going back. Right. I like buy into that. And then to the whole bit of like Casey and the visions. We love a vision quest. Josh, I'm a big lost fan, much like you. Like we love a good vision quest. When I was a senior in high school, I was really fortunate to go to this international school and I studied, um, like Native American culture in southwestern U.S. and got to work as like a student ambassador. I lived for like three weeks on the Zuni Indian Reservation there. So it's very different than the kind of tribal life in like you know northern Montana. They're very like specifically different, and the culture is is distinctly changed. But I'm one of these guys with the great like reverence from the outside looking in for like the Native American culture, for the like polytheistic religion that they have, for these the the spirituality of all of it. Right. I don't necessarily think you need to read it on a literal level, but yeah. there's just a lot of like techniques in there that are go like hand in hand with like the best self-help book published in 2022. Right. There's a lot of like thoughtfulness and meditation and care and intentionality kind of bound up and all of that. And this whole notion of like. He had this vision and, and through, I mean, we're Survivor fans to a certain degree, Josh. And this whole thing of like clarity through deprivation, you mm-hmm. know, and like starvation, there's like a there. The monastic there's, approach. Yeah, yeah, there's something to that. I mean, there's a reason Coach Casey. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Don't call him Casey. Just call him coach. Yeah. So I, I like the mystery of it. And I feel like I have enough clarity of the vision as of now, which was is to say that this choice he was presented with is I have to choose between my family and my job. And so I'm not I'm giving up this badge. And the fact that at the end, John Dutton hands him the badge back and is like just for now. Like, if you really want to leave, I'll find somebody else. But just for now, no reason for you to stop drawing a paycheck. And Casey's like, well, all right, Dad, you know, puts up kind of no resistance. This feels to me like the death knell of Casey and Monica, right? I think that. Oh like, my
1: God. What's going to take to finally do that? And I know. There's so much.
0: I gotta wonder. But I think Casey's going to get involved in one last, like, livestock commissioner dust up that's going to end in, like, catastrophic results so that we can, like, follow the story of his son, who now will be like sufficiently damaged and emo with the PTSD of losing his mother going forward. I'm being very speculative here. Sure, but this is well. Like that's a I'm
1: podcast, man. Leaving. That's what we. That's what we do. Do you think that Governor John Dutton is going to come to regret? giving this badge back to Casey million percent dude. Yeah,
0: million percent you know uh, I think like so much of John's story in this show is like struggling with like the angst of like the things that he asks his children to do and they refuse to do and it's like it's inhibiting his ability to preserve this future and to fulfill this oath of honor that he has to his ancestors of preserving the ranch. And then the other half of that is the things that he asks his children to do that they do do that, uh, you know, damn Uh, their immortal soul or whatever that like completely like morally bankrupt them along the way. You know, this notion that he says to Casey all the time of like, you're a good man and good men have to do evil things, son. Mm You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, all right, John, you know,
1: yeah uh i so i'm i'm fine i'm fine with sort of um i'm 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 good with the with the vagueness of uh of casey's vision to a point like i i don't mind not knowing the full scope of what he saw and what his interpretation of it is i just feel like there is some kind of frosty remove with the character right now um like Mm -hmm. i feel i feel disconnected from him as a character right now and it feels like Sheridan is holding cards back from us as it pertains to to Casey because those cards once flipped over are going to be like a huge major push forward for Casey's dynamics with the rest of the characters on the show and could change the show. If not forever, then at least, you know, majorly for now. And it feels like a, well, we're going to save that for mid season or we're going to save that for end of season. And okay, that's fine. But I just feel like then I'm, I'm coming on here and I like, I just don't have a Casey take right now. And I'd like to be able to talk a little more about Casey. Casey's an interesting dude.
0: I love Casey. You know, I'm a sucker for a uh, main character. Josh, I love like the, you know, the the kind of hero of the story in a lot of ways. And I John think Casey, Snow. Yeah. yeah, right. I love that like the John Snow spot, and, yeah. and Casey very much is in that spot. And I guess for me, part of the Lord disc-
1: Commander of side. the Knights Livestock.
0: <laughs> yeah, really, uh, Lord Commander of of the of the Livestock Association. Yeah, uh, he he like in season four was doing both jobs of like the livestock commissioner and kind of running the ranch, right? He was so present for the ranch life and this whole beat where they have to like move away. Okay, great. But like, we've, we've got nothing. I mean, it seems like all of the scenes with him are just like consolidated to the family and the dynamic, like with Monica, with Tate, he's almost like never present at the ranch. And I expected them to shift the energy there more as he's been pulling back. So like notably absent, I'm, I'm feeling, feeling his absence as well, and I miss him.
1: Yeah, so we'll see where that's all gonna go. I don't know. Anything else from, from this one? Uh, horses of Heaven. Uh, any Anything I, else that's going on here that you want to get into?
0: I, I mean, like, a little bit to the point of this episode, to the wolves of it all, as, like, yes. the wolf thing, like, all comes to a head for John Dutton. This feels really bad. This feels like it's going to end really badly. And, again, is it the wolves like,
1: that are going to take him down, ultimately, you think? Yeah, really.
0: Yeah. Uh, it feels like. But it, it, it's the Rip thing that I get so hung up on, Josh. Like, Rip Wheeler is treated by John Dutton. Like, man, I can count on you. You are my rock. Like my children are a little dysfunctional, but like, you're my son who's not my son that like Mm -hmm. just gets it all done. And you're so capable of like, dude rip f's everything up all the time yeah this guy is like a disaster he stands there and lets beth hit the woman in the face he tells the (laughs) guy like go shoot the wolves they're like rip we shouldn't shut up go deal with the wolves (laughs) like rip is is like just an absolute disaster man and the amount of like confidence that john just gives this guy like point blank never like double thinks it it's like Good God Almighty! This is like this guy is. Rip really Wheeler gets away trouble.
1: with a lot because he's just so cool, you yeah. know. Yeah, uh, like he gets gets away with a lot. Like the way he walks, like yeah. he just has like this permanent saunter, like he's just been on a horse uh, because he, he probably never... has
0: lets his elbows touch his, his ribs, right? Yes. You got to keep the elbows swinging out there. You got the yoke look happening, right? Uh, Rip Wheeler is like the embodiment of fake it till you make it, right? Like, uh, you just, like, you get the smoke screen out there, and people will, like, fall right into it,
1: apparently. This is a ridiculous moment in this episode, too. where was like, man, I hate this world that we're leaving behind for our kids. And Rip's like, me too, and I don't even have any. Uh, I was like, man, Yellowstone, Yellowstone and hard right now. Uh, good times with Rip Wheeler. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying season five so far. I'm interested to see where this wolf storyline is is taking us. It makes sense, right, that the wolf was sort of this omen of uh, of danger for for Casey, that the wolves would be applied uh, more broadly towards the Duttons uh, as a as a family. So some sort of undoing or, uh, you know, at least some sort of major conflict that is being represented by this almost elemental force. Uh, is interesting. It is interesting. But I, I, it's just hard to know exactly which direction we're, we're moving in with all of that.
0: No, I dig that. The whole like um, spiritual presentation of the wolf and what it means. And there was even like the little bit of uh, was it young John Dutton talking about how like the wolves were here to like, you know, kind of call the herd of right. men and the men are here to call the herd of wolves. And like Rainwater talking about the kind of similarities between man and wolf and we hunt and pack and attack our enemies the same way they do but like very literally literally in in the modern age the wolf is a a totem and a symbol in like modern culture of this fight between kind of commercial land use and preservation and conservation right and the reality is somebody that's like existed in that space a bit in a very new york-minded way um in New York, like a state that's got huge amounts of like wilderness preserves and state parks and all this stuff, right? Everybody knows us for a Big Apple, but we're like a big state with a lot of preserved land and an incredible kind of agriculture industry and all this stuff. And the fact is like these folks are so much more on the same page than we give ourselves credit for sometimes. Yeah. And so I thought it was bold for Yellowstone to put this, Oh, the rancher shot the wolves storyline out there. Like that feels like a third rail, right. In, in the kind of like culture to, to go towards and to take these likable characters and have them do something. This overt is like, Oh
1: man, this yeah. might
0: be rough, but I, I think it's a bold choice and I like it as like, a symbolic representation of like a lot of what the show is talking about.
1: You yeah. Know? I even like that. The wildlife people were like, listen, uh, we're just like, you know, like you could tell us to F off at this point, but other people are going to come down and they're going to come to the same conclusion we did. And you're going to be in like massive amounts of trouble. Seven Costas says like, great. Looking forward to it.
0: That's exactly what he said. <laughs> yeah. <says>. yeah. <laughs>
1: And I mean, so am I Uh, looking forward to seeing how how all of that bears out.
0: And now Senator Lynette, who like is a fantastic character. She's been like great all across whenever she shows up, please. But the fact that he's like, what about wolves? What about wolf conservation? She's like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't go anywhere Third that, you know. Yeah, Yeah.
1: that'll kill your career. It's like, "Mm, okay, well, uh, all right. That sounds great. That sounds great. So that's the issue that is going on. One of the issues, at least for. Governor Dutton, and that's Yellowstone season five, episode four. Rich, you're going to hang out in the Yellowstone Ranch with us here for a little while on the podcast. You'll be back next week with us talking episode five, watch them right away. That's what it's called. Yeah, uh, Folks love to watch me right away. It means I'm cool. talking. Yeah, it's a good time. Uh, so DM Philly on the internets wherever you can find him, including twitch.tv slash DM Philly where you've got Uh, A lot of things going on, including Dungeons and Dragons in the Wild West. No, in space. Although, Cowboy Dungeons and Dragons sounds kind of fun.
0: Uh, yeah, Cowboy Dungeons and Dragons is very, very fun. I've got a great game called Dogs in the Vineyard, too, which is a very Whoa. fun tabletop RPG where you're playing, like, Westerners. Yeah, go go, give me a follow over there uh, in the days before Twitter dies. My DMs are open on mm-hmm. Twitter if you want to hit me up, at DM Philly. I'm, like, super psyched for the release of Willow is coming up. I'm talking about that. Yeah, give,
1: give a little shout to that. So you are, you've got a lot of podcasts going on right now, so give the plugs on all of those, please. But Willow is sort of the exciting moment of... Of the week right now here in uh the week of november twenty eighth, 2022 november 30th the first two episodes of willow yes that willow are dropping on disney plus and um, rich you and taylor are covering it i not am sheridan. so excited
0: not sheridan ball uh yes. also a farmer in her own right very yes. invested in agriculture uh willow was a dark fantasy adventure film uh released in 1988 directed by the great Ron Howard. Mm-hmm. That's like Ron Howard, but Ronner, uh, Indeed. A, a name that it is hard for me to say these days. Sure. It's written by George Lucas. You had uh, Industrial Light and Magic doing a lot of the effects. It is a delightful film uh, filled with Muppets in the fantasy vein. Val Kilmer giving like a great Han Solo performance along the way as Mad Mardigan. It's really like very, very, very fun. Uh, and this new series premiering on Disney+, Plus, bringing back Warwick Davis as the titular hero Willow. I quietly think, John, that this has like the real chance to be one of like the best fantasy shows of the year I'm and that's hyped. in a year yeah. with like a ton of like big fantasy releases but it's coming in with no baggage minimal expectations disney money great performances the music is like captivating uh you know all the right people are like on board to make this thing good it's written and and, and run by jonathan kasdan or uh lawrence kasdan's son like mm-hmm. all the pedigrees are there i am really eager and excited to see what the show looks like the trailers look great and i'm like intoxicated and very very eager to see what willow looks like in 2022
1: it's going to be fun. There's a Willow podcast feed here in Posture Recaps that you should seek out. You can also hear Rich talking about His Dark Materials, which is returning for a third and final season on HBO shortly. So that's going to be with Rich and the great Melissa Woodward of the Severance podcast, Mighty Ducks, the Huey in the patron feed as well. Uh, Rich, you're also talking about 1899, not to be confused with 1883. Uh, I know it's easy to confuse the two, but if you were to confuse 1899 for 1883 and you watch watch 1899 expecting cowboys and uh you know western country singers and such you'd be in for a rude awakening uh because 1899 on netflix very different show uh that you're podcasting about with grace and ariel rich
0: Yeah it is tremendous by the showrunners And the creators of Dark uh, An international kind of drama You have this great like multilingual Show happening it is the consummate Mystery box I have been delighted Taking it apart I know you binged through it And did a full binge podcast with AJ Mass But Ariel and Grace and myself Are watching it very slowly Which is giving me a lot of time to get Obsessed and go down the rabbit hole And uh, theorize about what's Going on two episodes a week Dropping on that but I'm delighted having a ton of fun breaking down 1899.
1: Yeah, there may be a fun, uh, you know, bit of news coming out of that uh, on the podcast front oh, at some yeah. point in the next couple of days. So maybe keep an ear out for all of that. Um, Rich, so much is happening on Post Show Recap. So much of it you have a hand in. There is a lot happening, even just in this very Yellowstone podcast feed. As your friend and mine, the great DJ LaBelle Klein, a.k.a. Troy, joined me to talk about a totally different Taylor Sheridan show. Tulsa King, starring Sylvester Stallone. Stallone three episodes are out on Paramount Plus. Troy and I are going to be recapping that show three or so episodes at a time. So we talked about the first three episodes on the podcast that's currently in this very Yellowstone podcast feed. So just listen to that. We had a lot of fun uh, talking about Stallone's uh, series regular TV debut. I think I cannot imagine. That he did a TV show as a series regular before. Before have you been watching Tulsa King at all, Rich?
0: No, not yet. But now that I know you and Troy are covering it, I will. uh, Just keep me posted for when Taylor Sheridan shows up. It's the coolest character on that show too.
1: Inevitably, uh, that's going to be hard for him to to out cool Sylvester Stallone, but no doubt he'll try. He'll try. He will try. Uh, So that's been very fun. And then as far as future Yellowstone podcast coverage is concerned, I don't know if you saw this, Rich, if you've been paying attention to uh, the 1923 of it all, the next Yellowstone prequel on the docket starring Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren is going to be debuting, I believe, December 18th on Paramount plus same day that the Yellowstone season uh, mid season finale is going to be happening. So we'll go straight from Yellowstone mid-season five into 1923 coverage here on Post Show Recap. So get yourself ready, Rich. Uh, we, we, (laughs) We may need to tap you in on that one as well. And a trailer just dropped. It looks appropriately ridiculous. Helen Mirren is just like outclassing absolutely everybody around her, including oh, yeah. like maybe Harrison Ford. Uh, and it seems like a pretty fun time. I expect nothing less. Uh, the Harrison. Although Timothy Ford, Dalton is on it, and he's the bad guy, and he's oh, like really wow. bad guying hard in the trailer. It seems like it's going to be pretty good. I'm uh, really that's looking like, forward to 1923.
0: Yeah, that's a lineup. Timothy Dalton. I heard about Harrison Ford being involved in this, and I wasn't sure. The idea of Harrison Ford as like this old, angry, uh, like Dutton patriarch. <laughs> <laughs> like really very compelling to me. I'm very excited for it. I I I like enjoyed 1883 quite well enough, right? Uh, Sam Elliott, like as cowboy, I'm probably into it.
1: Yeah. 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 So uh good good times, I think, here in the future of the feed. Make sure you're subscribed, Yellowstone Post Show Recaps, wherever you get your podcast. You can also find the RSS link, postshowrecaps.com slash Yellowstone Pod. He's at DM Philly, wherever you can find him. I'm at Round Howard, wherever you can find me. Me, including the post show recaps Patreon if you want to become a member, patreon.com slash post show recaps. No bad time to sign up. We would love to have you in there. Uh anything else, Rich, as we're as we're winding down here. Uh mm-hmm. one we got we got a we got a big episode under our belts here in horses in heaven. Uh fun time getting your debuting thoughts on Yellowstone on the podcast. We'll do it again next week if you're game for it.
0: I am ready to ride. Let's ride. My rope
1: and my hat. Let's ride into another week of Yellowstone coming your way next time on the podcast. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye.